and welcome to another DBSA podcast. This is episode number 113, which is awesome because I like the number 13 a lot. I was born on a Friday the 13th. I am Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is Angela James, who's the executive editor or editorial director or grand editorial poobah. I'm going with that one of Karina Press, the digital first imprint of Harlequin. You might have heard Angie referred to several times in Jane's and my conversations over the years. We just usually say, and then Angie said, because we just assume everyone knows who she is. This is Angie. You didn't know that. Well, you're about to meet her. We talk about what she's reading, what she thinks of Scribd, and we talk about Menage Wizard Biscuits and Space Opera, because why not? This podcast is brought to you by Berkeley, publisher of Reaper Stand the latest bad boy biker romance in Joanna Wilde's edgy, sizzling Reaper's Motorcycle Club series. The music that you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I'll have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is and where you can buy it for your very own. And as usual, in the podcast entry, when this podcast is posted, you can go to Smart Bitches or Dear Author, and you can find links to all of the books that we discuss in this episode, so please don't feel like you have to write and drive. And now, without any further delays... On with the podcast. So, introduce yourself to all of the lovely people. I could just make it up. You and, you and Jane just always call me Angie. Can I just be like, Yeah, this is Angie. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello, Sarah. How you doing? Good. What you reading? I'm reading something that's not romance and not an adult novel, but I'm reading this book. I'm reading with Brianna. And for those of you who don't know, Brianna is my. Uh, well, she's going to be 10 on Wednesday, the 22nd. So 10-year-old daughter. Jeez. I know. And reading, we're reading Wonder by uh, R.J. Palacio. R.J. Palacio. Oh, which, have you read it? No, but Jane talked about it because she and her daughter read it for their mother-daughter book club. And her daughter is very similar in age to Brianna. Right. And so Brianna and I are reading it, and we're reading it out loud. And we got 75% in last night, and wow. something really sad happens. Oh, no. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it, but we were kind of hysterical <laughs> like, to, to watch. Had, had you been in the room with us, I was struggling to get through, and she was turned away from me, but I could feel her shuddering and, and sniffing. And so we got through the first chapter of the sad part, and... I stopped. I said, do we need Kleenex? And she turns around and her face is all red and oh, puffy God. and she has tears streaming down her face. She's like, oh, yeah, So we had to get Kleenex. And then we got to the second chapter and I found myself actually laughing because I was like, we are so ridiculous. We are both sobbing. We're sobbing reading this book. And um, I, I had to laugh. I was really glad that my husband didn't come and look at us at that point. Like, what are you doing to each other? And tears. And it, but it's a really good book. Although I have to, uh, I have to tell you that it's really funny because Brianna is so my kid. There's there's different point of views of all the different middle graders and high school kids. And for those that don't know, the book is about August, who is a ten year old boy, who has a severe facial, deform- but that is like very long, but it's severe facial deformities, all over his entire face and his ears and things like that, and so. It is what Brianna calls a teaching book because it clearly <laughs> is teaching you things about life lessons. Uh-huh. But she's still really enjoying it. But every section is from a different child's point of view. 
including a lot of characters that you wouldn't have anticipated getting a point of view section from. So we're enjoying it because you get to see different people's views on August, but also it's been good for Brianna because she gets to appreciate some of the things that she has in life, such as actually just her family. And she'll be like, oh, one of the kids was really jealous of a family because they tell each other that I love you all the time and they laugh a lot. And she's like, well, that's like our family. Oh, and then she's, you know, she's like, I'm so lucky to have you. And I was like, yes, it's a teaching book. <laughs> really worked out well in, in my favor. But she is so my kid because there was a point of view section, which was thankfully really short, um, from one kid. And they didn't use capital letters and they didn't use a lot of punctuation and no quotation marks. And the whole time we were reading, Brianna kept saying, why isn't that capitalized? Where's the punctuation? Why isn't there any punctuation? She's only nine. She was really bothering her. And um, so, yeah, she's like a little me, me in training. She's going to start copy editing people in middle school. Yeah. Like, get away from me. Wow. So anyways, we've been reading Wonder. We're almost done. One more nights of reading. And we'll probably get oh, you have crazy back muscle guy. Crazy back muscle guy. That is crazy back muscle guy. Oh. I actually I showed that cover oh, to my personal a, trainer and I was like, crazy back muscle. What muscle is that? And he goes, That is an overdeveloped trapezius muscle and it has hypertrophy in this reason and he's been doing this exercise well, incorrectly. We blah blah tell blah. People we're looking at the cover for Freedom by S.A. Wolf. And I don't I didn't put this on my Kindle. I share a Kindle app with somebody and so books appear on here like magic. <laughs> well apparently you get weird back muscle guy. He's yeah, it I actually like shirt. Yes, his trapezius muscle looks like a heart. But he's got nice arms. Yeah, I believe that my trainer said that too. Well, now we've now we know. Now it got mentioned on the podcast. Hmm. Well, then it's official. <laughs> um, I have been reading. You know what? I I've been I've just read. Thanks to Scribd, I have a subscription to Scribd, and that's totally not a plug because Harlequin just. Do you get a free subscription? No, I no? pay for my subscription, and I started paying for my subscription before, before... I knew that we were gonna do the Harlequin yeah. thing. Because Elise did not like it. She said the search function is horrible. It's impossible to find things. She really didn't like it. I I don't find it. I know you said that, and I don't find it as impossible to find things. I will say. So I was gonna say I've been reading. Um, I went through D.B. Reynolds' backlist, and she writes like a Vampires in America series, mm -hmm. so Paranormal Romance. It was exactly what I wanted to read, um, very alpha, like possessive heroes, and actually great spunky heroines, so there was a lot that I really liked about it. Some things that I, I didn't love about it as much, the author tends to break her own world rules a little bit. So I think she just forgot maybe at the beginning of the series that that was a rule when she got to later, but you know, Good, fun reading. But I I, I don't, I, Scribd does have some search function problems, but I think that there's a lot to like about Scribd. And I, I will say that I actually emailed D.B. Reynolds because she has initials, her names are initials. And when I was searching for her books on Scribd, her books appeared under four different author names. And I think it has to do with the spacing between the initials and the metadata. And the, oh my goodness. So I just said, you know, you might, might want to correct this and, and you know for authors listening that's the problem with using initials and apostrophes in your name they screw up the metadata bad so um i do it is challenging but it's interesting because i have found a lot to read on script so i've been tracking because i have i subscribe to script oyster and kindle mm -hmm. unlimited 
And I read in September. I read three times as much on Scribd as I did on the um, other two. On the other two. What are you reading on Scribd that you're liking? Like, mm. do you know what it is that you want when you log in? So do you search by genre? It, I, that's the part that I liked about Scribd more than I like about the other two. Is I actually think find that browsing is easier on Scribd than I do um, on the other two because Scribd actually does let you pare it down by genre and you look you can look at it by what other people are reading or by what they're curating um, or by what's new and so I just kind of go in and just start browsing the list right I'm, you know I have patience I have time um, and, and also it's unlimited so you don't you don't have to worry about only having 10 checked out you can mm -hmm. just like start adding them to your device so I do like that about Scribd. Uh, I just am finding more of the things that I'm looking for. So for instance, I think Jane and I were talking about this at one point where I was saying I'm trying a lot more books, especially self-published books, that I have started to get a little leery of just the sample because often the sample isn't long enough to really know yes. if it's if the the um, the editing or the writing is gonna kind of yes. wander off in a direction. I I've read for. more than a few books that fell apart right after the sample. Yeah, so I'm I'm becoming like a those were the chapters that were entered in contests. <laughs> well, you, I mean, I find that as an editor, right? Yeah. When slushed in the um, submissions, so I, I'm I'm using it a lot to read books that I otherwise wouldn't um, want to pay for. Right. Because I read a lot. I mean, I read, I think I'm on track to read like 400 books this year. And that's not including my work reading. Right. And so I also spend a lot of money on books. I spend several thousand dollars on books every year. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so it seems like just to try something and say, oh, you can drop 99 cents or two ninety nine. I start to not even want to do that because if the book just doesn't, yeah. isn't for me, it starts to add up because I'm doing it so frequently. Yep. So Scribd takes takes away that element of risk because I'm paying a flat fee and I can read as much as I you can want. Read as much as I want. So I am are you a lot of authors I would finding are you finding books that are the same quality that you would find in bookstores or is it sort of like because it's scribbed you adjust your expectations accordingly? No, I don't think that scribbed has anything to do with that. I think that the quality of what I'm reading I mean if I'm being fair that I there is some decrease in the quality of what I'm reading. But I'm also one of those people who will read for story. Mm -hmm. So I actually do forgive a lot mm -hmm. of quality. I'm willing to do that because I like to read across different stories. Um, the more I pay for a book, the better quality I expect it to be. Mm -hmm. I think there's that. So, uh, but on, I still, I do have a, a um, kind of like a max out level. I was saying this to somebody the other day. There's a... There's a, a, a sample on my phone right now, and it's it's not romance. Oh, it's called the um, it's called the Intern's Handbook by Shane Kuhn, and I think it's a thriller. And uh, an acquaintance of mine recommended it to me, and it's not. I will read I will read thrillers, but they're not my normal reading. And I went to look at it, and it was twelve dollars for a digital edition, and I was like, I just no. I again, I buy so much. But I was talking to somebody else who reads much more in this genre and tends to read a lot more women's fiction or literary fiction. And she said that that's, that's still totally a price that she will pay for a digital book. So I, um, I do wonder if pricing is genre difference there. You might be right. I, I read, or I am reading a book called The One Thing. It is nonfiction. 
And it, I don't remember where exactly I learned about it, but it's basically one of those books that I really like that's all about identifying priorities and goals and efficiency and cutting away a lot of the bullshit so you figure out what it is that you absolutely want to get done and setting your goals according to your own personal ideas of achievement. And mm-hmm. the, the root question is, what is the one thing that you need to do to fulfill X? Which I like because I already start most days by asking myself, okay, your brain has just booted up and given you <laughs> 65,000 things you need to do today. What are the one or two things that you need to get done today that will make you feel like you have accomplished something? Because the worst is when you get to the end of the day and it's time for me to go to get, get the kids and I have to make dinner and all of a sudden the work time is done and I didn't get this thing done and I'm beating myself up about it. So like the 90 zillion other things that I got done that day don't matter because I mm-hmm. didn't get that one thing done. So I already start my day by saying, okay, let's not beat future Sarah up unnecessarily. What's the one thing you need to get done today that's going to make you feel like you accomplished something with your day? This book sort of expands that idea to apply that kind of a question to goal setting and ideas of how to generate more business or to identify your own personal goals. Like the one thing that's the most important to you is to work as little as possible and have as much time (laughs) with your family as possible all right, well, what are the things that you need to do to make that happen? And so there's a lot of sort of privilege baked in, but the book is very quick reading. It is 133 pages, and the digital file, when you're not buying an Amazon, is $25. Oh, wow. And I was like, how much is that a word? Is the what, <laughs> what was the one thing this guy was doing? Was the one thing that he wanted to do with this book to make each word as expensive as possible? How much money can I make with this one book? This is his one thing. $25 for a book is 133 pages. That was his one thing. That's his one thing, dude. I was like, wow, gosh, darn. Fortunately, my library had a copy, so I borrowed it through the library. But I was like, I can't even recommend anyone pay that, let alone a library. My library already had it, and I would never have requested it because it's a ridiculous amount of money. I don't think that anything in that book is going to fulfill me to the tune of $25. Like, there's nothing in there that I would be like, that was worth every single dollar that I paid for it. Yeah. That book better give me an orgasm and make me breakfast. <laughs> 25 damn dollars. Both of those things. Well, you're actually a cheap date then, though. $25. I, I, it's just one thing. I, I didn't want to ask for too much. So it's just one yeah, thing. two things, an orgasm and breakfast. Those could happen together is what I'm saying here. Just, Dunkin' Donuts is a perfectly accurate, adequate option. Yeah, so, sorry, that was, like, a, a long conversational detour. Um, script, I do like it. Mm-hmm. I'm that was my it. detour. It was, it's allowed. We, yeah, we just went, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll probably keep using it. It's hard to justify subscribing to all three. I have yes. to decide, which is difficult because there are actually different books on all three. Oh, yes, I have noticed this very much. But this is why I'm tracking how many I read on each one. And I got to tell you, uh, when I started with Scribd, I love, um, and I, I'm not saying this because I now work for HarperCollins and for Harlequin, but I loved the fact that HarperCollins was on there because I was reading old Linda Howard books. And you can, if you read Kim Harrison or if you read like all these urban fantasy series, uh, they're all on. They're all on there. And all the old series that came Jennifer, over from Dorchester. Jennifer Estep. Estep. Uh, Estep. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Marjorie Lou. Marjorie. They're like all these all these urban fantasy series. Like if you wanted to catch up on any of them, Scribd is the way to go. But 
again, old Linda Howard, which, you know, I know you and I can't have Linda Howard discussions, and we've did, already done this on a podcast. Did you, see, did you see earlier today I was tweeting romance costumes? I saw that, but did you, did you, oh no, did you do Mark's toes and the ferns? <laughs> Just be a guy holding a fern wearing a, a fern condom. Wearing a condom! Just wear a condom and hold a fern, you're kill and tell by Poor Linda Howard. His name Mark Chastain. Mark Chastain. God damn it. And it, when I went to the, 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 um, I always go to the garden store at the end of September because all the perennials are on sale. <laughs> and there's like, you know, one leaf and it's a dollar and then I stick it in the ground and the next year it's like, hello, I'm gorgeous. So all of the ferns were on sale. And I was like, Mark Chastain, Mark Chastain, paging Mark Chastain, mm. all ferns on sale, buy one, get one. Book. That book is wrong. Oh, I know. We can't talk about this. <laughs> we once, you and me and Jane, at a, at a restaurant in Penn Station, once got into like a 20-minute argument about that book. Yes, that's right. <sighs> Wearing a condom, holding a fern. This is why you had me do the Linda tell. Howard What to Read post. Yes, and you notice, put some pictures of some ferns in that. <laughs> I noticed. Big, you couldn't. Big you ass couldn't, ferns. You couldn't resist. So ferns everywhere. Old Linda Howard. So if you like HarperCollins' backlist. And then Harlequin's backlist is now on there. So I was reading some old Diana Palmer. Which, Ooh, biscuits. <laughs> biscuits. And oh my God, the 80s references are enough to just knock <laughs> you over. The heroine is wearing um, velour coats. Yes, she is. And she's typing on a typewriter. Of course she is. And of course, all the heroes smoke. Oh, I love that when the, when the characters smoke and you're like, wow. But, you know, what's interesting is how smoking has come full circle because we, for, you know, maybe 10 years or so, smoke, you couldn't have a hero who smoked. Oh, my God, no, don't have a hero who smokes. That's gross. But now we have all these new adult heroes and they all smoke. Yep. Because they're, they're bad boys. They're, they're, that is the biggest rebellion, man. You're whipping up. Because the Being funny thing boy. is, statistically speaking, um, young people are very much more unlikely to smoke. The generational divide, as each generation achieves the age at which you can buy cigarettes, they are buying fewer and fewer of them, which is interestingly sending tobacco companies into a bit of a panic. Well, that's really interesting because I just feel like we've come full circle now. So all the bad boy heroes are smoking. Diana Palmer and her alpha cowboys. Are there any biscuit-making new adult heroines? That we, don't, <laughs> we need to find some. I don't know, but there were some biscuit makers in Diana Palmer's. <laughs> is it just backlist from Harlequin? Or is mm-hmm. there... No, it's... I mean, there's. it's actually fairly recent. Because you have to think that Karina Press has only been in business since 2009. Yeah. Five years, actually. Our five-year anniversary is coming up. Oh, congratulations. Um... And we have 500 titles on there. Nice. So, yeah. So you can get a lot of the original launch titles from Karina Press. Yeah, and like, you can oh. get most of Shannon Stacy's backlist. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you nice. can start our own Lakeland series, I think. And, yeah. Nice. There's a lot of stuff on there. So if you're a series fan or an old category fan. There's a lot to be. There's stuff There's to a be lot to enjoy there. there. Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. And HarperCollins. I mean, I have to say, so all of the, all of their historical, and there's also, I have noticed, some, quite a few small presses who are using it. Oh, really? Samhain actually is, is some of Samhain's stuff is on there. And I noticed Totally Bound is on there. I hope they, I hope that they keep getting presses signed up because I do really like it. Wow. And oh. if I keep reading at the rate I'm reading, I'll run out of stuff to read. <laughs> and I have my brother. My brother is actually a big fantasy and science fiction reader, and he's been using my account to go in and read. And He's very happy. He's very happy. Uh, he, um, 
I said, I'm going to check it out. You know, and he was skeptical. He's only been using it for the last couple of weeks. He was really mm-hmm. skeptical, but I can see what he's reading because now our reading list is like this weird mishmash of science, science fiction. And then like, it'll be like some menage book. <laughs> <laughs> and then some biscuits. And then some wizards. Wizards yeah. making some biscuits. So I can tell he is. Somebody should write that. Stuff. No, wizards making biscuits. Yes, that needs to be a thing. Wizards in a menage making biscuits. Yes, menage wizard <laughs> biscuits. <laughs> A script. I don't know what else have I been reading. You know, I just read something. I wish I could remember. I should look it up. It is. I read the anthology that Nalini Singh and Ilona Andrews. You featured it on the podcast. Oh, when Ilona was on, and so Milla Vane is Melgene Brook. It's Melgene. It's Brooke. barbarian romance. Yeah, that whole. It's an so. Oh, and it's got uh, Lisa Sharon in it. Yeah. And. It is rare that I will buy an anthology and actually read all of the books yeah. in it. I often buy and read maybe two. Mm-hmm. I obviously didn't buy it because it's not out yet, but I was given an advanced copy. Actually, Alana sent it to me one day when I was looking for something to read. One of the perks of working in the industry is when you say on Twitter, I really can't find anything to read, people will be like, here, I'll send you my book. Okay. Um, oh, fine. She, okay. <laughs> she sent it to me and... They were all so good. Really? I really liked all of the novellas, and they're all very different. It's barbarian romance. Well, I don't, I don't, were they all barbarian? No, Mila Vane was barbarian. Yes, that was That was the one that Alona was, was talking about during the podcast. Yeah. That interview was so amazing. That I, I, what had happened was I recorded I with Jane. Heard it because I saw that because the, the it didn't Jane, record. It didn't record. And I was like, I need a podcast. She's like, I will talk to you on Skype right now. I downloaded it because you suggested that new app. And so I downloaded that app and that was the one of one of the ones I downloaded for my drive home. It's a really good episode, I think, because Ilona is really funny. Mm. And it, it, it was like, you know, I was recording a, phone, a Skype call, so there she is with her headset, and I'm with my headset, and her dogs, and my dogs, and they bark at each other, and I had to edit that out. <laughs> it was really fun. Well, I recommend I recommend that anthology. I think it's coming out soon. I think it comes out late October, early November, I think. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I just was really surprised. I mean, Nalini always delivers a great story, and... Um, I love Ilona's Kate Daniels world, and it wasn't this, you know, this was Jim and um, Dolly, mm-hmm. and so, just so much fun to see the relationship between them, and then I am a fan of Lisa Sharon, her actual Rain Benares series, I just recommended Jane try reading that series, actually, because she was looking for something maybe a little outside of her normal reading, and mm-hmm. I said, we'll try that. And this this was a new series that she's starting. And then um, Mel Jean writing as Mel Vane. She's she's a very um, she's such a talented author. And this was a have you read it? Nope. The novella is just like so easy to to sink into. Oh, really? So the whole the whole thing the whole book was really really good and well worth the uh, time investment and the money. Cool. Mm-hmm. I have so much stuff on here. Did you read Kristen Callahan's new adult? Uh, hookup. Yes, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Jane really liked it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I I didn't enjoy it as, as much as other people. Like, some people loved it and said uh-huh. it was their read of the year. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I had some difficulties with the heroine. I thought some of her resistance and her holdout was a little 
maybe protracted for me. I didn't love it, but I did like it. And I would, I mean, I would read more from her. I don't know. I've just been reading, I've just been reading all over the place. And I've been reading a lot of stuff that, oh, you know what I did read that I really enjoyed? Um, S.E. Jakes, who writes for Riptide. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, she writes for Karina as Stephanie Tyler. Right. But she writes for Riptide, a male male as S.E. Jakes. I've been um, reading her Heller Highwater series. Yeah. Which I have really been enjoying. Cool. Yeah. She, but she's been writing for a really long time, she's right? She's been writing for a really long time. And she does a great job with male male. And um, I just like the the heroes that she set up. She writes great heroes. And the um, just she's doing a really good job of kind of, it's the same couple over several, over a series of books. And she right. does a good job of, um, of, Writing the conflict without making you feel like she's drawing out the conflict right. artificially, which I think is hard to do over a series of books. Yeah. But I'm really, I am enjoying those. And I think the next one comes out soon in November. Book, cool. book four, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, other than that, I've just been, I read, I've been reading a lot of urban fantasy, fantasy and paranormal. I just Reading a lot of paranormal recently. I've been reading a lot of YA fantasy, so I totally understand. Yeah. Have you read anything good lately? After my conversation with Alona Andrews, went on a huge Robert McKinley binge, which was nicely oh, fueled that. by my library, bless them. So I had, I read The Blue Sword, I read Chalice. Chalice really just sucked me in, and I was like, really, just don't talk to me right now. Hmm. I need to finish this book. The romance parts of those books are so understated that I almost sort of missed the normal beats of the romance but once I sort of figured okay they're not here it was really fun to explore a completely different style of world building than I that I'm used to reading I think that's really common in fantasy though is having a lot of fantasy injects the romance element, but it's often very understated yeah. because it's not the driving conflict. Yep. And it's, um, I would say that I, I just listened to Poison Study by Maria Snyder on my way up here, and I have read the series several times. I really, I really love it, and there's a new one coming out in the spring. Right. And so I was listening to it. The narrator was fantastic, by the way. And I was thinking just about what you were saying is how the romance is such a slow build. And in some cases it was so subtle or um, you didn't have the, like you said, the normal beats. And I was like, wait, so did they have sex? <laughs> I had that moment at the end of the, um, at the end of the blue sword, there's like this big reunion and the big battle is over. And the and there's this sort of like, and guess what? I totally love you. We're getting married. Okay, great. And I was like, what? 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 <laughs> there was no, where was the rest of that part? And I was like, oh, I missed that part. Well, in, in this case, it was just, it was almost like there was a subtle. I don't want to say like flowery language, but there was like passionate embrace. And I can't even remember the one. Did you guys, did you and guys was just like, bomb? Did they do, did they do it? Did they do the do? Did they do it? And can we, can we talk for a minute? Was <laughs> Can we talk for a minute about how gross it is when some the hero or the heroine throws up and then there's kissing afterwards? Oh, dear God. And wait, even if they have brushed their teeth? No. Isn't it still gross? Yes. No. I mean, uh, yeah. There, 
there was a book I read because I could not read it called Who's the Daddy? <laughs> by of course, like you Judy do. Judy Christenberry. And it's about a woman who is pregnant who has amnesia. And, of course, she's very wealthy. And she can't recall who the daddy of is her baby is. Is it still a secret baby if there's amnesia? I think so. <laughs> it was it was a hell of a setup, but there is one scene where she has morning sickness, which I totally get, and then she kisses this guy, and I'm like, no, 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 no kissing. There must be a ten page boundary between the throwing up and the kissing, at least a chapter. No. Oh God. Well, I think in Poison Study, I think she is has perhaps rinsed her mouth out with water. Ah, I think she would have been sick for like two days. No, good God. And I just remember thinking, as I was listening, there should never be kissing after vomiting, even if a toothbrush has like entered the picture. Well, we just need, we need like, we need time for the owners to leave the building. There's that series, the Konigsberg series, the the Konigsberg, Texas series that's written it. It's a Sam Hain series and it's really, really wonderful. Um, they're all set in this Konigsberg's town and the heroines are awesome and the heroes are interesting and the conflicts are... I really like the series, but there was one book where I was reading it and I literally stood up in my patio on my patio and yelled, no, not okay. And the dogs were like, what's wrong with the lady? The, the hero <laughs> kissed the heroine and started to talk about what her mouth tasted like and it included tuna. Oh, yeah. Because she just eating a tuna sandwich, and I'm like, it's not okay that he's tasting her lunch while he's kissing her. Why? Why did this happen? Why is this happening to me? This is not okay. I literally stood up in my chair and went, no, not okay. I'm like gesturing angrily at my Kindle. Because you don't want to taste what the heroine ate. I don't need that part of point of view. You actually just made my stomach roll a little bit. I'm sorry. (laughs) Maggots, maggots, crickets, crickets. (laughs) Cricket maggots. Cricket made of maggots. Um... Yeah, no, no. There's, I, there's, think there is like a point where you can inject a little too much realism. Yeah, no barfing and kissing. As romance readers, we have like this weird. We've we've come to this like weird place where we want our books to be realistic, but we don't want them to be too realistic. I was just thinking about this today. But they need to be more realistic than reality, but not as realistic as reality. Right. They need to be conundrum there as realistic as possible for me. As a reader, the characters have to sound like people. If they if the dialogue is not good, I'm out. Like that's my line. And if there's characters who start talking in plot language, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out, I'm out. If your whole job is to walk in and advance the plot like you're that guy who doesn't talk in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series, we're I'm out. We're done. But at the same time, I would be bothered by books that made reference to things that were too real and were too loaded for me. Like, if I was reading a contemporary romance and they referenced Robin Williams, I would have to stop and take a break. That would be, like, too much reality. You know what I mean? I don't want to name the book that I was just reading, but it was an advanced copy, and it hadn't come out. It, ha- it hasn't come out yet. I'm not going to uh-huh. name it. And the character makes a reference to... 
um, something being hairier than Robin Williams' chest. <gasps> and Robin Williams had just died. I mean, the book was obviously written written before long before he that. died. Yes, and, and then he was he was a very hairy and then man. I read, and then I I read that and I and I stopped and I came out and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I hope they take that out before they print the book. And I don't know if they yeah. will. I don't want to name who it was, but that's why when when we when I do. Um, when I do self-editing workshops, I talk about not doing character comparisons or cultural references, and the character comparisons, I I use um, I use a series of pictures of Mel Gibson. Yes. And where I talk about, you know, like Mel Gibson in the Lethal Weapon era, he was kind of hot and, you know, like crazy hot, but still hot. And then and, he called me an oven dodger, and I haven't really looked at him the same way and since. Then, then there's this picture where you see him, and he's got like this pointy beard and crazy eyes. Yeah. And I go, you know, he goes from this to that. Or my other example is um, actually it was a category romance that I read where the hero gets out of the pool, and he's shirtless, and the heroine goes, oh, he has a chest like Taylor Lautner. <laughs> So, okay, so Taylor Lautner is, um, was it Jacob in Twilight yes, movies, right? But I have a young child, and my young child used to love the movie Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And he is in that movie. And he is Shark Boy. Yes. And so I always flash up, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to think of. And first of all, Taylor Lautner is still way too young for me to be perving on, okay, because I'm almost 40, and he is, I, that is like seriously cougar territory. I got two words for you. Zach Efron. Right, yes. 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 <laughs> Yes, right there with you. And, like, I should but, not be looking at that, too. But when I think of Taylor Lautner, he was such a skinny, homely little boy. Oh, my And heavens. so I flash up this picture of him as Shark Boy, and people always laugh. And I'm like, this is the mental picture I get when you use Taylor, Taylor Lautner. Lautner. So you can never know when By somebody's way, reference is the same. That's a terrible movie. Shark Boy and Lava Girl? It's terrible. No, but she was like four, and it she was, was totally into it. it. Yes. So to a four-year-old, it was great and creative. But if that's your reference, that's going to mess. Yeah, so you never know. And you never know when your reference is going to go bad, like Robin Williams. So What's funny is that uh, this will be like the third podcast in a row, or maybe fourth, that I talk about this book. But in The Bollywood Affair, one of the things that I liked about Love it Love that book. Everybody loves this book. I'm gonna like. There's gonna be somebody online who's like, I hated it. We're all gonna be like, what? Yes, but I have to say, I'm gonna interrupt your train of thought here for a minute. We were just talking about my pricing caps, and yeah. I think that book is going on sale next week. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be on sale, and it's going on sale. I think for nine ninety nine. Oh, I know. And it is, and and I normally hesitate to to recommend romances at that mm-hmm. level because yeah. there's so many romances that you can get. For nine dollars, you're like damn. Yeah, I mean, you, but I mean, I would recommend it if it was six ninety nine. But nine ninety nine for the Bollywood Affair is still totally. It, I recommend it because it was just so good and fresh and unique. I just, I really liked it. It's, I, I, I worry that the price is gonna hurt it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I found so interesting was in the book, the hero is a Bollywood director, mm-hmm. and there are many, many references to Bollywood movies. But the Bollywood movie world is such that movies stay perennially loved. And there was a guest column by a woman named Melanie on my site who wrote about how there was one particular movie that stayed in theaters for like 15 years because it was so popular, they just kept showing it. So there's this sort of perennial longevity in Bollywood where you can reference movies and that reference is understood because in that particular popular culture world, those movies are as good and rewatchable constantly. But do you think there's a difference between your 
I mean, but that's that's in specific that, to that culture. Exactly. For one thing. So exactly. it's very culturally specific. So I, you know, I, in general culture, that does not right. work. So, but people tend to believe that if they make a reference, um, they don't. They think that everybody's going to think of it like the that. same way they will. Somebody, I, I did a workshop recently, and we were having this conversation, and somebody said, "Well, yeah, but if you say Marilyn Monroe, everybody's going to know exactly what you mean." And I was like, "Nope, no." I was like, "You that she was an she was an older lady." I said, "No, no, no." You are thinking very specifically from your cultural standpoint. She's like, no, everybody knows Marilyn Monroe, and everybody's gonna know that you mean you mean a, a beautiful, um, slightly rounded woman. And I was like, no, some people might see a sad, pathetic woman who is you know a drug addict or took her life. I said, I'm not saying that's what she was. I said, but you're you're coming from your point of reference. Right. You can't say that every, every the world's a large place and. Everyone digital, has the same view of Marilyn Monroe. Everybody doesn't have the same view of Marilyn That's Monroe. True. And she kept insisting, well, it's Marilyn Monroe. I was like, no, she's not ubiquitous to everybody. She just feels yes. that way because in your culture, In your world, everyone But the other you. thing is, is, you know, there's one thing, of, is one thing to have a cultural reference, but the other thing is people might always recognize the cultural reference. They just might not recognize it positively. Yep. Because it can change. Yep. Can go bad. Yep, yep. Like, I don't think there will be any romances referencing President Obama because that is such a loaded concept for everyone. Like, no two people have the same concept. Now you the, said it. Now you said never, and now somebody's going to Somebody's going to be like, not only that, but he's the hero, so step back. <laughs> Did you say that you had questions for me? I do. Oh. I do have questions. What the ever-loving crap is space opera? Oh my god, I was like, what question are you going to ask me and is it going to get me fired? There are two trains leaving two stations. <laughs> is, this, is this a common core problem? Yes, this is common core. What the ever-loving hell is space opera? You keep asking for it. Did you get it? Well, like this. Did, did, what is it? Did you not get it? You still wanted to know what it is? It was, you're hoping someone a, will explain? It's such a... It, I mean, there are a couple of different interpretations, but then some somebody out there is going to be like, no, not really. It's a grand space story set in space. A space story set in space, Sarah. Oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> that clears everything. I'm so glad I asked. I just wish everybody could have seen the look on your face when I said that. <laughs> you know, it was a very best, smart-ass expression, I promise. It, it was a very smart-ass answer. Um, the best example, I mean, there's a couple of examples that are popular culture examples. Star Wars is the best one. Right. Because you have a battle against basically good and out evil. There's a big stakes and there's little stakes. There's big stakes. There's big conflict. Uh, there's a love story. Uh, it, I was using, I used the term um, rebel pirates the other day on Twitter because I was reading something and I thought it said rebel pirates and I got very excited and I was like, rebel pirates, I would read that in a heartbeat. Um, and so, you know, you usually have trying to overcome an oppressive force of some of some type. Right. Uh, Star Wars is a great example in movie culture. Firefly is a great example in TV culture, I think. Um, I have never been able to get past the first 15 minutes of Firefly. I'm so I have tried six I love it. times. I love it so much. Well, then you should go into the next episode. Like, what is, get, just get out from behind the rock. Why are you behind <laughs> the rock? What are you doing? <laughs> I think you would actually like the sense of humor of it if you could get past it. All right, I'll try one more time. Just skip the first episode. Go to the second episode. Okay. And in fact, when they first originally showed it, they showed it in a different order. Really? Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will move ahead. Um, I think in in book 
form. Some great examples are, um, oh gosh, sorry, my mind just went blank. Um, Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. Sharon, did I get that right? Somebody else there be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Many people just yelled at their radios. Yes. No. Liadin, Liadin, I don't know how you say it, Liadin Universe, which they've been writing for years. It's published by Bain Publishing. Such a great series. Another series I've been trying to get Jane to read. It's got that, again, that um, that nice romance thread, but really dense. Um, and I don't want to say dense in a way that I think anybody should be scared off by it, but great world building mm-hmm. over arching time and plots. So I think that's a really good example. We actually have a space opera series coming from Karina, and I have to assure the readers that you did not ask me this question just as a lead-in. but it's, I totally did not. It's, it's a male-male series called Chaos Station. And um, I think many people's ears just went, what? Oh, yeah, whoop. and I'm, I'm super excited about it because it's got those great elements of um, romance and action and adventure and going off into space in the spaceship. In, the, in space. <laughs> in space. <laughs> so pigs in space. Space mm-hmm. opera? Well, no. I mean, you just can't stick something in space and call it space opera. It does have oh. to have certain elements. And that is all for this week's episode. Thank you to Angie for sitting down with me for an hour. I hope you enjoyed our interview. Future podcasts will include me, possibly Jane, possibly additional people, all talking about romance novels because that's what we do here and it's really fun. I hope that if you have just discovered the podcast, you're enjoying it. And if you're a very long time listener and you're still listening to me talk during the outro, that's what this part is called. Even though my husband swears that outro is not a word. It's totally a word. That's what this is. If you're still listening, that's awesome. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Berkeley, publisher of Reaper's Stand, the latest bad boy biker romance in Joanna Wilde's edgy, sizzling Reaper's Motorcycle Club series. The music that you are listening to, and I hope enjoying, was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter, at Sassy Outwater. This is called Pro Terescu, and it is by Dunn and Doris. You can find them on MySpace. I don't know if I can possibly explain the joy that I get every time I get to mention MySpace on podcast. It's awesome! You can find them on MySpace, yes, and on iTunes and other places where music are sold. I will have links to many options in the podcast entry. And speaking of... If you are thinking, what was the book that you were talking about with the space pigs? Pigs in space, not a book, but many of the other things we mentioned are. I will link to every book that we talk about in the podcast entry on Smart Bitches and on Dear Author. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to our feed. Find us on Podcast Pickle, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and other podcasting apps. But if you have ideas of what we should do or who we should talk to, If you think we should interview someone you know because it would be awesome, we would like to hear your suggestion. You can contact us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call our Google Voice number at 1201371-DBSA. But in the meantime, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Angie and Jane and I all wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.